Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talk sports, uh, yes we do, talk sports, uh, it's for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. We have a Super Bowl matchup. Woo! Get into it. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up this championship Monday to talk NFL Super Bowl. We have a guest joining us soon, Adam Archuleta of CBS Sports, a great NFL broadcaster and former player who played in the Super Bowl with the St. Louis Rams. We'll get into it. Ray, real quick before our guest joins us, wow, the sheriff against Superman. We'll get into the games. I'm hyped up. Later on, we'll talk some NBA, some college hoops, but this is an NFL show. And for me, I just can't believe that we're down to two weeks to talk our favorite sport, the Football League, NFL, Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50, by the way. So let's do it. Let's get into it. And I think we have our guest. All right. Let's go for it. Hello, is this Adam? Uh, yes, sir. Hi. How are you? Thanks for coming on Ray and Tate today. Oh, thanks for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate oh, the time. Pleasure. I'm Ray. It's all Rayside. I'll turn it over to uh, our partner over there, Tay, and he'll take it from there. Yeah. Hey, Adam, this is Eric Taylor. Tay, listen, man, we got to jump right into it. It's Super Bowl 50, and it's all set up, two number one seeds. And for me, I want to find out from you what you thought about the games yesterday and maybe a little insight to the Super Bowl 50 in two weeks. Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, let me know where you want to start because uh, yesterday was a uh, – Pretty interesting day, you know, and I didn't, uh, there's a lot of things that I didn't expect, and, um, but I tell you what, if you were a football fan, it was, it was a fun day. I, I, I would have thought maybe the Arizona game would have been more competitive, you know, going into that game, I, I felt like Carolina was the more solid football team, um, playing at home and I thought they were going to be the favorites. And the, the one thing I wanted to see was a, could Carson Palmer come back not playing very well against Green Bay. Could he could he bring it back? Could he go on the road? Can he play against the top defense? And, you know, could Arizona show up after an emotional football game that they won against Green Bay? Can they go all the way across the country and show up and give Carolina a good game? And, you know, they couldn't do it. And, you know, Carolina played their usual solid football, um, really no holes in their game, and they've been doing what they've been doing all season long and uh, deservedly uh, should be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Were you surprised at, Palm, at Palmer's performance? Was it a, a bit of, and I hate to say this word, was it a bit of choking? Was it possibly the finger? And I know NFL players don't like to use excuses. If you're on the field and you're playing, then you're okay. What did you think about sort of that start, and was it just too much for them? overcome yeah you know I uh, did I expect it you know I I wanted to see Carson Palmer play better in the postseason I think that's one big major question that that you've had with him his entire career and not that he's not a talented quarterback not that he hasn't had the tools and remember he was a guy that we talked about being you know a possible uh, front-running MVP candidate for most of the season now um, the thing is is the fact is he hasn't been able to get it done in the postseason. And I don't know what the answer is. And it kind of seems like, you know, throughout most of his career, we've made kind of excuses for him saying, oh, he didn't have the defense. Well, you know, he had to deal with, you know, Ocho Cinco. Adam, you still there? Hello? Hello? Did we lose him? I don't know. Looks like he's still on. He might have maybe just hit mute for a second. Might have some technical issues. 
But anyway, yeah, Carson Palmer. It's it's you know it's it'll be interesting to see what his legacy is because you know he and Marvin Lewis. You know, again, you guys both hear me? Guys, Are you back at him? Yeah. Okay, yep. we lost I, you for a I second. Don't know. Okay. I don't know. I've been here the whole time. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. I don't know. I have some technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, you were saying about Carson Palmer, so that's where we got cut off. Yeah, you know, I just think that, um, you know, and, and if you're going to be mentioned up there as an MVP candidate, um, you got to deliver in the postseason. Two games in a row, he didn't do it. You look on the other side of that, Cam Newton – uh, was the other guy that we've been talking about being an MVP, and look how he's played in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I think Bruce Arians said it best in his, his his press conference after the game, your best players have to be able to show up and play in these games, and clearly that didn't happen for the Cardinals. Now, yeah, in the AFC, what were your thoughts about, I guess, a couple things. One, the 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 pass rush that Denver was able to generate – and Belichick really, I guess, even being prideful or stubborn, not willing to, you know, put in extra blocks, you know, either chip them. He's sending out James White a lot for receptions and, and catches. Were you surprised that they didn't try to help that offensive line who was getting eaten up? I mean, 23 <laughs> hits on Brady from Ware and, and, and uh, Von Miller, who played an awesome game. Did that shock you? And what did you think about Peyton Manning? Um, you know, it, it, it shocked me somewhat because the Patriots have been able to overcome a lot offensively this season and their offensive line has been able to overcome a lot and Brady normally has been able to get that ball out of his hands and not really be affected by that kind of pass rush you know I was kind of looking at it in the regular season you look at the outside linebackers the two deep you know with um with with Vaughn Miller DeMarcus Ware Garrett Wolf and Shaquille Barrett those four players combined for 29 sacks this season. And that's insane. That that is an insane yeah. amount. And when you have an offense that's so that's one dimensional uh like New England is. And and the other part of that thing is I watched that game. That was a very well coached defense. You know, I haven't seen a defense in a very long time. Maybe maybe since Seattle won the Super Bowl against Denver Broncos. Uh a defense play at that level against a great quarterback and completely take away everything that they wanted to do. I mean, you looked at Brady. His first option was covered short. His second option was covered. There was nowhere to throw the ball. So the combination of the pass rush and that defense, the linebackers and secondary, knowing exactly where he was going to ball, it's one of the best defensive performances I think I've seen in a long time. So um, you really got to credit Wade Phillips with the plan he put in there, you got to credit those the defensive players for playing a 60-minute ball game, and you know they took advantage of and exploited the weaknesses of the Patriots. And I think that's something that you have to do in playoff football. If you want to get to the Super Bowl, you've got to be able to exploit the weaknesses of your opponent, and that's exactly what happened with Denver. Now yeah, you've got to think that the Patriots, you know, they keep kept sustaining injury after injury after injury after injury and it's amazing that they make it to the AFC championship game if you look at their roster that they started at the beginning of the season and their roster that they have at the end of the season. So Yeah, no question. And, and the best teams are able to do that. And I think there's no question that the New England is one of the best teams in the National Football League. They just they just ran into a better football team um yesterday in that football game. I think the one thing that that really hurt. Well, it's two two injuries that really hurt him. Obviously, the Deion Lewis injury early. Um, it was a matchup guy that really brought a lot to that offense. But losing a guy like Legarrette Blunt, who, when you look yeah. at him among the running backs in the National Football League, he was in the top five in in yards after contact, uh, broken tackles, somebody who was able to just power up inside. And quite honestly, the Patriots don't have a guy like that. Uh, on their offense anymore and so they are forced to to pass the ball all the time you see Steven Jackson was largely ineffective um, in the offensive line with all the injuries I think they're more suited to pass block against the short uh, with a short passing game behind it than they are you know just run maulers so um, again you put the ball in the hands of your best player that's Tom Brady He's got to go out there and make plays, but 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 that defense was just too suffocating and too much to overcome. Definitely was, Adam. So you taught you mentioned about teams overcoming it and getting to a Super Bowl. So 
we want you to sort of take us and our audience in the mindset. You're drafted, number one, by the St. Louis Rams, 20th pick. You're starting at safety. Your first year, you go to the Super Bowl. You match up against, you know, young Brady and that team. What was that like, that week, that experience? And everybody, you know, you hear Dion and Michael talk about it every Sunday. You know, when you first walk out there, like, you feel like you lose your breath. What was that feeling like and that experience? And obviously, you know, we know the outcome, and you played a pretty good game as well. Take our audience through that whole journey and that process. Yeah, you know, I I almost wish that um, as as I look back on it, you know, I I almost wish that uh, I had a chance to go to the Super Bowl four or five years into my career, you know, so then I can Mm. really, really understand it and really appreciate it and really understand you know, what it was all about. And, and you got to remember, I came in, you know, that football team, we were, you know, you got to say we didn't win a Super Bowl, but we were one of the best, one of the best football teams, I think, top football teams in NFL history. And, and oh, definitely. The, the offense that we had. Great show on turf, yeah. Yep. And, and and just, you know, we we whipped everybody that season. I mean, we were almost unstoppable. So, so you got to think in the eyes of a, a rookie, you're coming in here, and then you're just you're putting up all these numbers. I think defensively, we were number three in the, in the league, and you're almost thinking like this is easy. You know, <laughs> you're not supposed to feel like that in the National Football League, but it almost felt like, man, this is this is the way it's supposed to be. And you really thought that we were set up. I never in my wildest dreams did I think with the team and the talent that we had that we wouldn't get back to a Super Bowl. And um, you know, so for me as a rookie playing in that game, it was it was I didn't get to appreciate all the things that surrounded it because, you know, I was so nervous and and I knew the offense that we had and I thought, you know, don't be the reason, don't get beat as a rookie safety, don't be the reason right. why we don't win another Super Bowl. And you know, that's kind of what was my focus, you know, all along in that game. So I gotta I gotta admit I I don't remember a lot of that experience and a lot of that game all I thought was you know hey we'll be back and uh you know we should have won that football game but it, it tells you how fleeting success can be in the National Football League that we never got a chance to go back and that was my only experience no you're 100% right I don't know if you've ever talked to Dan Marino but he famously said the same exact thing he got there in 84 and it was just you know that's the season he threw 5,000 yards he thought oh this is easy I'll be back and he lost to San Francisco to the 49ers and you know the 49ers were in the middle of their dynasty and never got back so he, he talks the same exact thing Adam it's, it's interesting that you say that but I guess that's the nature of sports right if you get success early you think oh wow this is easy this is uh no big deal we'll be back several times especially with that defense and that offense that you had let me ask you something about that offense. How was it? What was it like practicing against those guys? The greatest show on turf. I mean, you had Falk and and Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and and Aza Keem and Ricky Prohl and Kurt Warner back. I mean, that must have been just crazy. <laughs> well, you know, that's all I knew. So I didn't know any yeah. better. I thought that's just how it was. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, when that's your first experience, you go in there and your first mini camp as a rookie and. You know that offense is doing all these crazy shifts and motions, and they're they're putting you in all kinds of situations and isolating you. You know, you, it's a steep learning curve, and so I, I actually think it was it was really good for me and my defense that 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 I got a chance to practice against the best, not only talent wise, but at that time scheme wise. You know, a, a, an offense and a scheme that was going to stress you that was going to put you in a lot of bad situations and you know you had to go out there and perform against it so quite honestly you know to me I just felt like that was kind of the norm and and truth be told you know outside of a handful of offenses in the National Football League the games you know kind of in a way were almost easy because we had to deal with so many shifts and formationing and uh, you know teams at that time weren't doing a lot of that stuff so um, they did a good job of preparing our defense to go out there and play, but it's certainly looking back on it, that was a very fun group to be a part of and, and really fun to watch how that op- that offense went out and handled their business. Yeah, and how, how was your time in St. Louis? I know that they, they these guys just lost their franchise and, and, and they're back, you know, the Rams are back in L.A. after 21 years, but what was it like, what was that fan base like? And, and everybody says it was actually a great place to play. How did you like your uh, five years in yeah, St. Louis? Yeah, very passionate fans. <laughs> 
Yes. You know, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I've been an Arizona guy my whole life, you know, born and raised. Well, not born here, but, but pretty much raised here since I was a young kid. And I was pretty green and really naive and really didn't know how the rest of the world worked and was really kind of used to this this Arizona bubble. And, and when I got to St. Louis, it was a little bit of a culture shock because, um, you know, Midwest town, very different lifestyle than it is here. And, and, it, and it took a little while to get used to. But, but I'll say, you know, when I left there is when I really started to appreciate what St. Louis was. And, and what that town was, and just the the vibe of that city. It really is kind of a, a very uh, a unique and underrated city, as far as I'm concerned, across the country. And you know, I had the great privilege of playing for those fans when you know we were one of the top teams in the National Football League. So we were, you know, I think I think it, it, looking back, they haven't had a winning season since my last season there. So like I think wow. it was since 2004. Yeah. So I, I played in in the great years there, and when we were winning and, and we were we were playing some good ball, the fan base. I mean that that the Edward Jones Dome at that time was, you know, one of the most fun, one of the loudest places to play. The fans came out; they were excited, they were passionate about us, and I got to tell you, I, I cherish those years. Those were some of the best years of my life, and um, it's really kind of sad, you know, to see that city lose that football team. And, and I know what, what it could be there. I know how the fans could be if you're able to a, build a winner there. And certainly, you know, it, it is sad to see it go. But, you know, on the other, the other side of that, when you kind of look at it from the business perspective and you see what, uh, what our guy Stan Kroenke is building out in Los Angeles, it's, wow. it's kind of <laughs> hard to see from, from, his, from his point of view, um, you know, how can you turn that down? You know, you get an opportunity to own your own complex, a $2 billion complex that's just going to be, you know, in, in one of the biggest markets in the world. Um, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard not to see where he's coming from, but it's it's certainly sad to uh, see St. Louis leave. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Adam, listen, we really thank you for joining us and appreciate your time. We don't want to keep you long, but i got to ask you this before we let you go and move on. Early look. Manning, Newton, the number one defense against the number six defense. You know, Davis broke his arm. He says he's going to try to play. We'll see. You know, Jared Allen might be healthy for the game. Chris Harris is a little banged up. What's your, you know, I'm sure you've got to do a bunch for Super Bowl week with it being on CBS and all your obligations, so I don't know if you can give us a prediction, but what's your sort of early <laughs> look at this matchup? And if you can give us a prediction, that's fine. That, that we would totally take well, the prediction. But what's your early look at, this, at these matchups in this game in the Super Bowl? And if you need to get off the hook, the early line in Vegas is four and a half, Carolina by four and a half. So. Okay. Well, good thing I don't know a, a thing about how to bet in sports, so um, I don't know anything about that. No, you you know, I, I, I can't wait. I'll, I'll be able to watch the, uh, you know, kind of break down both of the uh, championship games here. I think probably tomorrow the coaches' copies should be up, and I'll be able to really kind of check it out and see, you know, right. what happened and really kind of, you know, I'll, I'll give this as a disclaimer because my attitude could change by the end of the week as I get I'll collect a little bit more information and see what's going on. But, um, you know, I, I like – right now I like – what Carolina is doing. Um, it's going to be fascinating for me to watch how the Denver defense plays against a two-dimensional offense. Well, really, a three-dimensional offense. And I say yep. that because Carolina can throw that ball down the field. They got a, a terrific running game, a traditional running game with their running back. And then you got to deal with the X factor of Cam Newton. So this is going to be a completely different ball game than they had to play against you know, Brady and the New England Patriots. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how that defense, you know, deals with all those dimensions that, that, that Carolina is going to throw at you. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Peyton Manning, uh, how he can operate against Carolina's defense because, you know, that's uh, statistically they're up there and they have gotten a lot of credit, but, but really it is kind of an underrated an underrated defense in the National Football League. You know, they do a, a terrific job of taking the ball away. Uh, they score points off of turnovers. And, you know, I think Peyton's going to have to step up his game. He had a, a few good moments in the game um, yesterday against the Patriots, but, you know, they kind of fizzled in that second half. 
and, uh, and I'd like to see how that offense responds and how he's going to be able to navigate against the defense who has been just lights out and outstanding so far in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the early, two weeks early, early, my early lean is Carolina, uh-huh. but that but that could change. All right, That's fair. great. Yeah, great. I'm I think definitely... the two weeks here helps Denver <laughs> schematically, but it helps Carolina health wise with Jared Allen and Davis being hurt. So both teams, I think, will benefit from the two week break. Uh, and, and we got in two weeks, we've got a matchup. I think this will be a great matchup. I really do. Yeah, you know, I I think it's going to be a good matchup. I will say this. If both teams come to play, I think it's going to be a great matchup. But I I wouldn't be surprised against early. I would not be surprised to see. um, I think Carolina has a chance to to win by by 10 or more points, you know. Mm. Um, Mm. I think they're that solid. And as far as a a consistency standpoint, um, you know, I think they're going to be hard to stop right now. So, if both teams show up, I think it'll be a very good game. But um, if one team offensively, if if there's one weakness to me out of both these two teams, it's the Denver's offense. And I, I don't I say weaknesses, you know, where's their consistency? You know, they they cannot uh, they can have games where they don't show up, and, and they you know can they match the uh, the point production of Carolina? So I you know it, it should be a very good game if they both show up, but. But boy, Carolina right now has a lot of things going for him. How and would you, Adam? How would you attack? How would you attack as a as a safety and sort of you being, let's say, if you were sort of like the T.J. Ward? How do you see and attack Cam Newton? Because when he's sort of, you know, either giving it to Stewart or running, or he kind of might fake it, and then boom, you got Greg Olson darting across the middle, who, by the way, is having an amazing you know, end of his career as a tight end. How is, you know, as a safety, how do you attack that? I mean, it's it's difficult. Yeah, it, it, it's very challenging. And, and any time you, you know, you have a, uh, you know, you really haven't seen a, a quarterback like Cam Newton. You know, Mike Vick, I played against Mike uh-huh. Vick, um, who who could just devastate you on the ground with his running ability. But but we know going into that game, he can't throw the ball. And, and you, you he just couldn't make enough passes accurately to really affect you. Um, right. Cam Newton's kind of a different animal. You know, he has some accuracy issues sometimes, but his ability to throw the ball down the field and just that great decision-making you know, with the running game, it gives you a lot to think about. So um, <laughs> the only way you can stop an offense like that um, is in defense ha- uh, and Denver has a defense that is able to do this. You've got to be able to disrupt up front and get off blocks. Because if you stay blocked, they're going to have an extra guy, and then Cam's going to be able to do what he wants to do. But if you can get off blocks and you can be disruptive from that front six or that front seven, especially mm. you know that front three or four, now you have a chance to really make that offense you know have to work to move the ball down the field. And I think Denver is one of the very few football teams in the National Football League, maybe there's five of them, that have the defensive front to be able to wreak that kind of havoc. So – um, if you don't, you got no chance. You know, you, you, you just um, schematically they have the numbers, they have the angles, they have the extra guys because of Newton's abilities. Um, you've got to be able to get off blocks and get penetration up front. Otherwise, um, it's going to be a long day. Wow. Yeah, they've jumped I, out I, I on see. they've jumped out on their opponents the last three weeks, and it's been they, I think they're the best first half team in football. They just they get on you quickly, and hopefully for Denver's sake, this isn't a repeat of you know that Seattle Super Bowl three years ago where they just uh, got blitzed in the first half. Yeah, well, so. the, um, the Denver's defense is pretty nasty though. So yeah, 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 yeah. They'll oh, keep yeah. them in the game. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm hoping. They'll keep them in the game. Oh, yeah, Wolf, Wolf and Jackson are underrated up there, man, and they 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 get at you, you know, up the middle. So. Listen, Adam, this has been fun. It's been great. We totally appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. And uh, we'll see after that tape. Maybe, uh, maybe you'll let me know or let us know somehow if, if, if your mind changes at all. But I think you'll probably stay with Carolina. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. You know, I, I'm, uh, yeah. you know I, I, I can be swayed by, by the tape and the facts as they present themselves. But uh, it should be fun either way. Thanks, Adam. All right, great. We really appreciate great it. Great job. Thanks for great. calling. All right, gentlemen, thank you. All right, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was awesome. Getting, you know, sort of the – 
inside look from, you know, not only a great broadcaster for CBS Sports and, you know, he did a lot of NFL games this year and does some college football as well. But look, he was there, like he said, as a as a rookie with the Rams and and playing safety. And it's it's very interesting what he said about Denver's defense. And you know, Adam's totally right. They sort of that front six is special. They had 53 sacks this year, Ray, and they're number one in the NFL. So it's going to be one of those chess matches. Up, anytime you're lined up with Vaughn Miller on one side, DeMarcus Ware on the other side. And then you also have, like he was saying, two other – you have depth at your ends. That's disruptive. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure Cam Newton – we need to look back at his record and see who he's played. I'm not sure Newton played against this type of defense. Arizona's a good defense, but they're a little bit different. They they play a little bit differently. So – you know, they take more like chances. Said, they blitz more, definitely. Yeah, they do. Let's Arians goes for the jugular. But two weeks is good because I think both teams benefit from these two weeks to prepare. I think that's a big deal. Uh, Denver, obviously, because, uh, you know, they get to they get to really – there's no quarterback like Cam Newton, right? So you got to go out and, and, and watch all, all the game tapes on Cam. And then, obviously, Carolina benefits because the doctor with the stem – and the ice <laughs> and whatever else you need to get back on. Oh, the listen, field. everybody that's hurt is like, thank you for two weeks and let's do whatever. They're going to like live. It's like T.O., right? In the uh, barometric chamber. They're going to be trying to live in those things to get ready. I mean, look, Jared Allen, this is his probably, like, Man- like Manning, this might be his last game. And Jared Allen's never even made it to the Super Bowl. So that dude is like, I've got to play. There's no doubt that my foot will be fine. And you got to think Thomas Davis, this guy's had, what, three uh, torn ACLs? He's playing. Broken arm, he's playing. He's like, this is my last shot. He's got a 12-year career at linebacker, and him and Kikli are two of the best. But that guy's not going to miss this game. Yeah, I mean, look at a guy like Patrick Willis, who retired after, what, eight or nine years. You know, also exceptional linebacker. Those linebackers don't have the 15, 20-year careers that the quarterbacks do. So you're right, Thomas Davis – you can bet he'll be on the field. So quickly looking back, though, I, I was kind of, you know, I want your thoughts. We'll look at the AFC real quick. But I was, I was, I was a bit surprised that they, they didn't give Brady enough help. And, look, Chris Harris, yeoman's job on Edelman. You know, Edelman gets you the five catches for 50, 60 yards or whatever, no big deal. And the, the pressure, they're getting there in two, three seconds. And to me, you know, you're throwing out three, four receivers and the running back. You basically just told Ware and Von Miller, we're not running ever. Come get us. And they came and got him. And to me, I felt like Brady needed a little bit more help than that, don't you think? I mean, you, you got to sometimes, like, keep some, some, some extra help back for him. That, that was a little surprising to me. Did you have any issues with that for Belichick? or? I do. It was a little surprising in the halftime in the locker room that they didn't come out and make some adjustments. Having said that, though, Brady did throw for 300 yards. He made two terrible interceptions. That was all on Brady. I mean, uh, he just basically put the ball in the air. That's not Belichick. That's not coaching. That's just well. Von Miller baited him. You saw that, right? Von Miller looked looked like he was coming to blitz, and I'm sort of I'm sorry. I kind of like chopped on uh, Gronk a little bit to slow him up, and then, you know, you thought he's coming in, and then he dropped back and snatched it. That was – Von Miller, he's a beast. That was the first that one. Too. The second was was downfield, and that one was yeah. basically threw up a, a Hail duck. Mary. But, yeah. you know, having said that, so if you look at, at, at their rushing stats, Brady was their number one rusher, three for 13. And then Bolden was 5 for 12, James White 5 for 11, and Steven Jackson had the touchdown, and he was 4 for 8 with the touchdown. So, like you said, completely abandoned the run. And here's the thing with the Patriots. Love it or hate it. Which has it. worked for them in the past, so that's exactly. probably they part of their arrogance. Super Bowl like that. It's, it's almost yeah. like Duke with their three-point shooting. And, you know, you can shoot yourself in the game. You can shoot yourself out of the game. And at a certain point – you know, you and I are probably more traditional, and we like the balance, the balance of the running game. But to give New England credit, if Goskowski doesn't miss that extra point, they're going to overtime. And you're playing on the road with a Peyton Manning who's not, you know, the Peyton Manning of old. You're on the road in overtime with a chance to play for the Super Bowl. 
despite the fact that your what top four runners went down this year and yeah you know they, no, they were that's, in it that's, that's all a great you can point want as a patriot fan yeah no no you're right and that's a great point and what adam said too you know, it, it really hurt not having uh, Blunt. Now, Lewis, too, James White was sort of like Lewis, maybe not as explosive, but he definitely, look, he was on my fantasy team this year. He definitely filled in quite nicely and had some huge games. But not having that thumper and Blunt, it, 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 just, it just changes the dynamics of punishing the defensive line and, and Ware and, and Miller so they, they're a little bit more tired in the fourth quarter and they can't just constantly rush. And, you know, it's, it's time of possession. And, you know, they had to play one-sided. Steven Jackson wasn't there in time, and you don't know the shape that he was in. And so, you know, they, they were kind of like, you know, caught, you know, caught stuck that way, having to play one-sided. But you would have thought that Edelman might have been more effective. And Amendola was just like, you know, where was the guy? It was, uh, you know, you got to give Tlaib and Chris Harris a lot of credit because those boys came to play. And Roby, you know, Roby uh, is young and talented and maybe a little unsung. He's, you know, kind of proving to be a legit, you know, corner in this league as well. So I tell you, that that was a, a fascinating game. And you're happy for the sheriff. He moves on. You know, maybe he'll get to go out like Elway and Bettis and some of the other greats. But at least you know, he's getting to play one more. And I think if he wins, he's definitely going to retire. You would hope if he loses, he retires. But, you know, Manning is, you know, I don't know. Like, he's funny. Like, I, I could see this guy saying, hey, I still got it. You know, I don't, I don't know. You, I hope he would retire either way, but we just have to wait and see. What do you think about what Adam said about Palmer, man? I think, I think Adam nailed it in the sense that if we're being fair, we, we all kind of – and you, you were on this bandwagon. You said it, you know, to my son, who's a Cardinals fan, that, like, you know, you, you kind of didn't believe that Palmer was Warner or that Palmer was, was ready. I, I was sort of shocked because he could, he's very easily top four MVP voting, and he, he didn't step up last two games. He really didn't. You know, they, they won in spite of him. He had three, inter, three touchdowns and two interceptions that, the game before that could have easily been two touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, you know, had um, there was two cases in that final drive that the Green Bay, the Harris, or or that tip ball could have been could have gone the other way. So the, the, he's probably the guy I would say that's got to be the most disappointed from this weekend because you can lose, right? And if you lose to the better team, I mean, I'm sure Brady's disappointed. He had those two interceptions, and Belichick is saying, well, schematically, maybe we should have punish them a little bit and run. We've had some issues with our offensive line. But you know what? I think the Patriots can go home and live live with it. Right. But they overcame so much this year. The Cardinals, wow. I mean, Carson threw four interceptions. And, and oh, you got to figure, some of them were just bad reads and should have never been thrown. And he gets coming oh, off a game where he didn't zone? play well. He didn't yeah. play well the game before. And I get it that Carolina jumps on you. And Carolina was up 17 nothing after the first quarter. But you know what? The week before, you saw Seattle just come back and methodical, methodically move the ball and score. And you have those three phenomenal receivers. And David Johnson was starting to run. So, really, the game was still there. In the balance, you thought. Hand. You but you know what killed him? And we should have asked Adam about this if we had more time. You know what really killed him? And, you know, he, Adam did this as, a, you know, like just like Peterson, but he's a corner and Adam was a safety. And Adam had that speed to do punt returns. Peterson, that was unacceptable. You cannot, number one, try to catch that on the run like that and trying to make the yeoman superhero play. You, you can't do that, Ray. You can't fumble that punt and then give them – I mean, he he killed all the Cardinals' momentum right there. That, well, that to you me, know what? that really and that's killed why they them. say, And that's why they say do your job, you know, because yep. that's what happens. Because do you're your down, job. because Palmer's not playing well, you say, all right, I'm going to take it on me to do <laughs> more than I should. And Patrick Peterson is a wonderful player. He's going to go down. Yeah. He might even be, you know, borderline Hall of Fame. I mean, if if he keeps this – yeah, he keeps up, his pace up. Defense yeah. and special teams, I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. But oh, yeah. 
he was trying to do too much. He tried to do too much. Now, he almost made up for it in the fourth quarter, but by then the game was almost out of reach. But you're absolutely right. You cannot go trying to do too much. I mean, the other team is just as skilled as you are, right? So these little things end up being a momentum switch, and then that was, like you said, the nail in the coffin. And then Palmer presses even harder, and then Palmer goes from two interceptions to four interceptions. So, yeah, it was just an avalanche after that. And where was Michael Floyd? I, I, you know, I mean, I know he had a couple of targets, but only three catches. He had eight targets, and, you know, John Brown had his eight targets. I mean, they were kind of balanced, um, you know. There were a lot Fitzgerald of had seven. too, though. I, that there was were. surprising. They, I mean, for yeah, they started to act like the Broncos. For an elite receiving core, they dropped a lot of balls. So I thought that was disappointing. I mean, look, ultimately – you hang your head high. You were 13-3 and three in the regular season. You just played against a better team. I mean, there's a reason why, and even though I dissed them, uh, you know, I need to write apologies to Rivera, to Newton, to Carolina, to Bill Richardson, to everybody. But there's a reason why this team was 15-1. and one. You know, and, and I said, historically, they're not, to me, an elite, elite, elite team like the Niners, the, the, the Bears, those, those other 15-1 teams. But uh, the, even the Vikings in 98 that, that didn't go to the Super Bowl, that lost to the Falcons. But you know what? They're a really, really, really good team. Maybe they're not historically good, but certainly but you know what history NFL, might show us, though? excellent team. No, no, you're right in a sense, but take this into consideration. History might show us that they have oh, maybe a Hall of Fame quarterback, an extremely solid running back, maybe two or three Hall of Fame defenders. I mean, what we're seeing with Keekley, David, Norman, Norman, a, a great tight end in Olsen, they've got, and guess and what Arian said, and when Adam brought it up, you, your great players have to play great. Each week, the Panthers' great players play great. And then when you throw in my main man, Corey Philly Brown, and, and <laughs> Ted Ginn Jr., you know what I'm saying? When cats like that step up and ball out, I mean, let's be honest, Corey Brown is balling out. Jericho Cotchery is solid. I mean, he was the number three receiver for the Steelers and Jets. He's having to play like two or three for the Panthers and now. And you know and he, what? He stepped up. Teddy Ginn, return of the man. This guy was yeah. thrown out on his butt a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah. But ultimately, you cannot teach speed, and he's got yeah, his hands are you know average, but his speed is exceptional. His moves, and frankly, his impact on the game. You know, two catches for 52 yards plus the punt returns, plus the rushing. He had a, he had a 22 yard the, the rushing touchdown. Teddy, yeah. Hayden, I'm telling you, for all the little guys out there, the little fast <laughs> guys who want to make it to the NFL, Teddy Ginn. That's your guy, Tavon Austin and Teddy Ginn. Those are your those are your guys. Well, and you know what's so funny? You would have thought that they, the, the Cardinals might have found some ways to get the ball to JJ Nelson a little bit more. You know, he had that had one uh, little bit, I guess, a twenty thirty yarder down the field. But you know, sometimes I think you have to find ways, and it's not necessarily trick plays. If it's quick slants or if it's you know bubble screens, you know. Fitzgerald's a great blocker. Get a bubble screen to John Brown. Get a bubble screen to J.J. Nelson. And, you know, maybe one of these guys break one. You know, maybe they break one for 20, 30 yards. I, it was a weird game, and I felt like I think Carson needed some easy passes to calm him down early. And sometimes I feel like they, they just, they, you know, they have the cowboy mentality. They just go for bombs and these deeper passes too frequently. And I think maybe, hey, you know, throw a little bubble screen, get get five, six yards, test those corners a little, get Car- get Carson warmed up, because to me, he, he looked, wow, that, that that was sad. You know, I, I just, I don't even know what happened. I'd rather it be the finger than he choked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hope so. For if you're inside that locker room. That, you know, you'd rather it be like he was a warrior, he was a little hurt, more hurt than he wanted to say, but we still had to go with him because he's our leader. I'd rather it be that than Carson could not handle the moment. So, anyway, so look, we, we will be previewing and breaking down on Friday and then next week, Super Bowl week. 
you know, talking about it Monday and, and then obviously Friday our picks before the Super Bowl. You know, maybe we'll try to get some more guests, but obviously we got for you, you know, a huge guest and someone who, you know, he breaks down the tape and the games and he broadcasts for CBS who's got the Super Bowl, you know, and, and has played in it and, and Adam Archuleta. So, you know, we wanted to get that to our audience and that was awesome. But we will definitely have tons of coverage on this Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50, you know, I mean, wow, it's uh this is going to be fun. This 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 is uh, this could make a huge star out of Cam Newton. Let's say if they do win by one point or ten points, you know what I mean. This could take Cam with all the criticism that he gets. I I gotta say, you know, people don't seem to mind hating on him, and I think it's been excessive and too much. Especially these. I don't know if you heard on Mike and Mike in the last like month. You know, these two different women with these letters the one the Carolina woman and then the one the Seahawks fan and it, it it's kind of silly it, it it's been too much and I, I applaud Cam for how he is who he is and how he plays and you know I I think the guy's great he's great for the game and he like 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 Adam said we you know we haven't seen a guy like this you know he's he's not Mike Vick he's he's a monster he's a grizzly bear throwing darts and running yeah, he, you know? he's the ultimate weapon. I mean, this guy is really when he's on, he's he's a running back and a quarterback in one. We've never seen probably somebody that runs as well and throws as well and is as big as he is, physically intimidating, you know, in, in the NFL. Yeah, so let's 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 talk some hoops, man. We we had a good weekend. ABC, listen, hashtag Jonas Blizzard. I'd like to see the NBA ratings for Saturday night because they should be pretty darn good. Everybody's at home. The football ratings should be awesome. The the NBA Saturday showcase ratings should be awesome. But, okay, my Chicago Bulls, not my Chicago Bulls because I don't like them, but I do respect them. And, Ray, they, Gasol and Butler and, and, and Gibson and Rose, what did you think about them spoiling Tyron Lue's debut in Cleveland where you would have thought maybe Cleveland would have come out with a little bit more swag and, and just energy? Yes. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Finding a little cold here. But, you know, I was surprised. I actually expected the Cavs for the next two, three weeks to be on their piece and On game. fire, yeah. And then eventually – you know, they have to change their offense. We both think they have to get Kevin Love more integrated. But eventually – he tried to, definitely, opening night. You saw that, you know. Yeah, they are who they are. Uh, but until the playoffs, I thought that they would be a little bit more effective and a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say intense, but, but you know, a little bit more improved and kind of away from David Blatt's, at least on offense, that stagnation that they had. But – at home with the new coach to only score 83 points. And remember, this isn't Tom Thibodeau's Bulls, right? This is a more offensive-oriented Bulls team that gets up and down a little bit under the mayor, Freddie Hoiberg. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed for the Cavs. Again, the Bulls are their only competition, we both think, right? Toronto, I don't know if Toronto can really do anything. I don't know if the Hawks can do anything. I don't know if any of these other teams uh, you know, give them any problems. So you would think even more of a reason to really lay down the hammer and show the league that, you know what, you don't come to the queue and beat the Cavs, <laughs> right? It's about, you know, yeah. maybe a Western Conference team, but definitely not an Eastern Conference team. So, yeah, I was disappointed for the Cavs. But you know what? There's still a lot of games ahead of us. What are they, oh, yeah. 42 games? There's still 40 games, so they need to get their act together. Probably after the All-Star break, you'll start to see – Tyron Lue's calves start to take shape. But don't you think a, a move might be coming? There's a lot of rumblings about maybe Mozgov. I don't think they'll move Love. It's a big salary to move, and I think Tyron Lue has confidence that he could get him in the post and on the elbow and more involved in the offense, which I've always been screaming about. But do, could you see them getting – look, let's be honest. They can't shoot threes. If you're just relying on Jr. to shoot threes, Kyrie's a good shooter, but he can be inconsistent – I think they might need an, another wing shooter, just a pure shooter, 
uh, almost like a J.J. Redick type or Kyle Korver, which they're not going to be able to get. But do you think maybe they move Mozgov and another piece to possibly, you know, get a three-point shooter? What, what are your thoughts about that? I think they look at it, they sniff it out, but ultimately I bet against it. I don't think they're going to make mm. any moves. I think they're going with the same squad, and they're saying okay. to themselves, you know what, we get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love back on a team that lost 4-2 in the finals. So we're ready. We just need to figure out a way in four, in close fourth quarter games how to score because I think defensively we're fine. I think that it comes down to execution in the fourth quarters of you know the NBA finals. That That's ultimately what it comes down to. If there's a guy out there to be had, maybe, but I think with Noah going down, that's the guy they really wanted to trade, but with Noah going down, I don't know that they have you know enough that they – Well, Noah's with the Bulls. I'm talking about the Cavs. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Flip it around. I was saying that, that the Bulls need to Bulls also need to make a trade, uh, but that's a whole other story. But I think right, with, right. with the with the Cavs, I, I was actually going to going to tie in the Noah differently. But with the Cavs, they don't have chips, and this is this is what I was going to say. They don't have chips like the, like the Bulls. The Bulls were ready to pull the trigger, right? And they were ready, and then Noah goes down. I think the Cavs are ready. Uh, to make a trade, but I don't know that for what they want, I don't know that they have anybody that they that they want to give up, right? Because they've got a lot of salary tied up in obviously love. Kyrie Irving's not going anywhere. Even Tristan Thompson makes a makes a decent amount of money now. So you you look at their roster and Shumpert, Moskov, those are really the only guys that are potential trade bait. So they don't really have that guy that they can hang out there like the Bulls have Noah, who they can hang out there, and you know they were getting a lot of interest. So I think the the Cavs stay where they are, and they just they just roll the dice in the NBA Finals. You're probably right. Now look, tonight we've got a great matchup: Spurs Warriors. Now look, Duncan's not playing; he's got some soreness in the knee. But to uh-huh. me, this is typical Popovich <laughs> in the sense that. Look, whether Duncan is healthy or not, you know, Pop plays mind games. He's like, look, we'll play you, and we might beat you without our guy, but we're not going to come with the full guys until it's like towards the end of the season or the playoffs because we don't want you to see our whole full repertoire. I mean, to me, I totally think it's a mind game with Pop, and I love that about him. I wish more organizations and more coaches Number one, rested their players appropriately so they're fresh for the playoffs because in the NBA, then, and, you know, the, the regular season doesn't matter as much, although seeding did bite the Spurs in the bullet last year in the playoffs because we talked about that in terms of winning that last game. But what are your thoughts about this matchup tonight? And You know, I got to say, I'm disappointed. From, I'm look, disappointed. I, I know, if you I wanted paid, to see them bang heads. Exactly. If I paid money <laughs> to go to Oracle Arena in Oakland, and it's I wanted to see the number one and number two teams, my 40-4 and four Warriors against the 38-6 and six Spurs. Oh, I want to see Jim Duncan play. Don't give me this nonsense about, I oh, know. he's got a knee. And don't play games <laughs> and shit with my ticket. Have him sit against Sacramento. Uh, have him sit against yeah. Milwaukee. A- a- amen don't for the fans. That's, me. Yeah, That's crazy. No, definitely the fans but say having that. Said that. Having said that. You know, all of these games, because the Spurs are so deep, you're still going to get a great game. You'll just get more minutes for Boris Diaw. You'll still get more. I mean, Lamarcus is going to play Lamarcus's minutes. Maybe he'll get four or five more minutes, but you'll get more of Boris Diaw. And Diel. David West will step you'll up. You'll get yeah. more of David West, exactly, who's been very efficient when he's been on the court. And you know what? It's about time to turn up the spigot on his minutes. So yeah. in some ways – this is a blessing for the Spurs because they may not win this game, but they start to see new rotations. They start to see how people play without Tim Duncan in the playoffs. And then obviously Tim Duncan's not you know, going to be here forever, so this might be his last year. So for this season and for next season, this is a good barometer for the Spurs. But, yeah, as a fan, I'm, I'm, so, I'm devastated. It's must-see television no matter what, and to be honest with you, I cannot wait to see Draymond Green against Kawhi Leonard. To me, these are two of the most versatile forwards in the game and underrated and talented and on the rise, whatever whatever you want to label on them, these two guys are just 
insane. And and I'd like to see if Tony Parker is a little bit more aggressive offensively to kind of go at Curry to make him work on the other end. You know how Parker sometimes he gets everybody involved and then sometimes, you know, he'll take, you know, sort of take charge because let's, let's not forget Parker can score and, you know, even Ginobili against Thompson. There's so many matchups. So to me, this is uh, woo, this is gonna be fun, man. This is this is what it's all about. I think for you know NBA season, you there's certain games that you're like, okay, this is you know I gotta see this game, and tonight is that. I want to ask you on your thoughts on a, on a report coming out of Madison Square Garden, Ray, that staffers were fired for basically ticket scalping allegations. I heard wow. that they got some tickets and then they turned around for cheap and then they turned around and sold them. You know what? Apparently this happens a lot in professional sports. Yeah. I mean, in the NFL, you always hear about people because you get allocated two Super Bowl tickets and you always hear about coaches and players getting getting busted for selling their tickets to the Super Bowl just because the markup is so huge. Right. So, Normally they give it to their family, but yeah, you're right. Now you know other times. Yeah, a lot of them like, hey. sell it though. You know, a lot of them yeah. sell those two tickets, and and it pays for a vacation. So <laughs> I can't. I you know what? It happens. I guess it's just human nature. It's unfortunate because there's so many people that really want to see this product, and it's it's unfortunate that that people are trying to you know benefit financially off of that. If if you work for the team, you shouldn't be able to you know flip tickets like that. But whatever. Let's just Let's just hope the Knicks continue their good play on the court. Let's get everybody healthy, and uh, let's make a run for the playoffs. Yeah, and we we also have to mention, because we talked about it last week with the MLK game, but how about Kemba Walker, the way he's been playing lately? You know, he scored 40 after the 52, a couple of overtime wins. Look, Charlotte, I think, is still like the night seed. You know, they're on the outside looking in. But Kemba Walker, man, he's uh, – you know, we we definitely loved him in that college, you know, Final Four run when they won the chip at UConn. But man, Ray, he's really been doing it. I, I I'm very impressed. I still like to see, and you know, Jordan. Look, Jordan and Steph Curry. Jordan was at the game. He's a you know a Carolina fan at the Panthers game. You know, you'd like to see his Charlotte Hornets, you know, get into the playoffs again. They were trying to establish something last year. Thought they improved their roster. So let's see if they make it in. But Kemba's a big part of that. You don't know, you know, the sort of Al Jefferson being injured and then coming back and then using him less, that dynamic. But uh, you got to be, you got to love Kemba, Ray, because I know you've been critical, but now you're, you're definitely on board been. with I Kemba. Have to yeah. Give, yeah, Kemba, what, he scored 53 on MLK Day. And, and you know what? The pride of Rice High School. I, I got to give Kemba Walker <laughs> all the credit in the world. He had an unbelievable run at UConn. I thought he'd be a serviceable, you know, backup in the NBA, and this guy is a starting legitimate point guard, you know, borderline all-star for uh, down there in Charlotte. So good for him and good for, you know, the little guy. Again, we're back to the little guys. You know what I mean? We're back to the little guys, <laughs> Teddy Eden and Kemba Don't Walker. Hate on the, listen, for speaking the little of guys. Speaking of little guys, we're still waiting for the rankings to come out. It might come out after our show. Um, but the USA Today oh, rankings are out. The coaches' poll is out. But the, the okay. what, AP's not Yeah, out. I was looking for the AP. I was refreshing it and waiting. But basically, you know, Oklahoma, they lost one last week on the road at Iowa State and then won a great game at Baylor at number 13. So, the, the question in the debate is, will they remain number one? You know, I'm a Tar Heel fan, but I got to say this Oklahoma team playing a tougher schedule. Now, you know, our Tar Heels, they won at Virginia Tech in a tight game, had to come back. But um, I, I would say Oklahoma. Crazy. Could, well, this is crazy. So going into the week, four of the top five, with the exception, sole exception being North Carolina, all went down. Last week. Yeah, Kansas lost. So number one, Oklahoma lost. went down. Number three, Kansas went down. Number four, Villanova went down. And number five, Xavier, Xavier lost. went down. <laughs> so they all went down. And by the way, in the coaches' poll, just to get uh, you know food for thought, Carolina uh-huh. edges out Oklahoma. So Ooh. Carolina number one, Oklahoma number two, Kansas number three, Iowa number four, Texas A&M number five. They move and up that you, far? Yeah, and then you fill out the top ten with Villanova at 6, Maryland at 7, Xavier at 8, West Virginia at 9, and my man Chris Dunn and Providence at number yes. 10. 
Now, I'm surprised Michigan State didn't move up after beating Maryland. Well, they're 11. They're 11, Virginia's well, 12. Yeah, and they were 11 last week in AP. That, that's surprising that they didn't move up a little bit higher, considering that SMU, Maryland, all these other teams, Xavier lost. Because um, Michigan State, let's be honest, when they went on their losing streak, they kind of, you know, they, they had three of their good guys out, and now they're all coming back. Valentine played well. That was a, you know, a good game, Michigan State with the uniforms. I like the uniforms. I can't front. You know, even though I'm a Maryland guy, I got to uh, give Michigan State their props. That the jerseys lime green, were kinda, you like that lime green? Lime, the lime green was kind of hot. They were, they were kind of doing their thing. You know, um, Arizona, you know, they, they're going to be moving up. They're 16-4 and, and and played a good game. Look, college basketball, and I've been saying this with the parody, you talk about the little guy. This might be the season of the little guy, Ray, because even though you could say there's like a top six teams that might be better, whether it's, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, Michigan State, Maryland, you know, some of those top teams, Villanova, whatever, but – I do believe that this is the year where you're seeing all we've seen tons. What in the last two weeks, like in the top 25, there have been like 24 losses of top 25 teams. That's amazing. And, you know, going all the way down to 16 or top 20 teams, I think a lot of these teams have a shot to go to the final four. There could be a ball bounce and upset, you know, whether it's a Duke or Iowa state and they're, you know, ranked a little bit lower. So it's going to be a great tournament. Um, and I think, think about it's this. also going to be little Put guys. Put this in perspective. Like there aren't many star players, especially star players that are carrying their team, and you look at their team like, wow, they're, they're, they're really unbeatable, like that Kentucky team that ended up losing in the right, semis right. to Wisconsin last year, but they had so much talent. Think about this for a sec. The top two, the almost consensus top two players on the team, one uh, players in college basketball, one is Ben Simmons, and he plays for LSU, and they're probably ranked, what, like 32nd, 33rd in the country. And the mm-hmm. other one is uh, the kid from Duke, and he's Brandon Ingram, and, yeah. Brandon Ingram, and his team's ranked 20th. So there isn't that one outstanding talent that's putting the team on his back, and there's no one team that has the, you know, maybe Carolina comes close, but has all those All-Americans that looks like, hey, they step out on the court and they should never lose like Kentucky last year. So this leads to a great conference tournament, a great NCAA tournament. So basically the month of March is going to be fantastic for college. Oh, insane. And, bra- and there will be so many brackets being busted this year. Week one, you could almost, you know, go to a kid to pick it, you know, by the fact that they like the name or the jerseys or Rose the colors or, or somebody's wife that doesn't know the game. You know, we're like, well, I like their mascot. You know what I mean? It's one of those years where, you know, anyone could, you know, wind up with a bracket and like, wait a minute, how'd they pick that? But I got to ask you this. Can and I threw this out there on Twitter. Can Ben Simmons pull off a Danny Manning and the Miracles? Is he that dynamic to do what Danny Manning did? And we all know Manning didn't have much, you know, on that roster when he beat Oklahoma and won that championship in '88. Could we see Ben Simmons get in the tournament, maybe a five or six seed, and go on one of those runs? So, two names come to mind. Danny Manning is one, and Carmelo Anthony is the other. So, Danny Manning was a senior, and I think that's the big difference, that he was a senior, and that's back in the days when people used to stay four years. So, he stayed (laughs) for four years, led his team. And remember, I think he lost his power forward, you know, right at the beginning of the season. Yeah, was it like Archie Marshall or somebody? Yeah, Yeah, I forgot his name. I need to do research on that. But he lost his next best player and still was able to, from I believe they were the number six seed, go out there. So that means you're, you know, you're barely top 25. Now, more recently, Carmelo Anthony, but he had Akeem Warwick and he had the shooter as a freshman, uh, Jerry McNamara, right? So I think he had more talent, and he had the big guy. Um, oh God. Yeah, Melo had more help, yeah. Yeah, Melo had more help, but that's, that's the other guy. If Ben Simmons was a sophomore or a junior, I would say maybe, but because he's a freshman, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's LSU difficult. might might win a game or two, but I'm not sure they're ready to be Danny Man- Danny in the Miracles, 88. But you do want to see him in the tournament, and you'd like to see him and his talent. I mean, this guy's doing, 
you know, he's doing like 20, 10, and 5. I mean, he's having a heck of a season. And he is. Like and you he's mentioned, great to watch. He's so fun to watch. And you mentioned Chris Dunn from Providence. There's a lot. Let me say this. There's a lot of great, I mean, good teams, but great players. Uh, this could be an amazing NBA draft, maybe underrated, but there are some players out there, when you look at a Dunn and Mellow Tremble and different guys, I mean, they are balling. So I, I, I think, you know, strap in, you know, enjoy uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl and Super Bowl week and all the interviews and media day and all the fun, and we'll be around and we'll break it down for you. The NBA is going to start to heat up. We didn't even touch on all the controversy at the Australian Open and mixed doubles, you know, fixing matches. We'll talk about that another time. But it's, it's, it's time to focus on hoops. And after February 7th, when it's all done with the NFL, Ray and Tay will have you covered talking NBA and college basketball. So watch the game tonight. And, um, hey, our Super Bowl we'll 50 is set, Ray. Definitely yeah, we'll see, see you on Friday. Friday. Great show. Thanks to Adam yep. Archuleta, former safety in the NFL, played in the Super Bowl. Thanks for coming on the show and shedding light on the Super Bowl. We had a blast. And Definitely. Hey, spread the word. Check us out, like Tay always says, on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere and everywhere. Ray and Tay today. iTunes. <laughs> iTunes, yeah. We got you Long covered. Talk Radio. Definitely. Great, great show. And like always, thanks for listening. Have a great sports week, and we'll talk to you Friday. Peace.